Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Warrior. I have uh, arrived back in Riga just right now, for um, for a bit at least. I'll have to figure out what I'm going to do a bit later, because currently I think that one of the most important things that I can do is take care of all the people from Ukraine and of Russia who've called into my show and asked for help to get me around, get me them out of their respective countries. Sorry if this is late, but I take seriously my obligation to record every day, and I will not stop to do this. But yeah, today today I finally had the time to go back home and reminisce a bit about everything that I've seen. And that, and that I will be, like I said, taking care of those people who need to escape their countries for safety, whether whether it's going to be pure bombardment or because of how their government's treating them. But um, all in all, we are we're not certain here on the eastern border about the future, but we're going to adapt to our circumstances and do our best to inform you, anyways. One thing that has happened certainly and I'm talking about daily news here, because this is what the show is about, is the fact that in Kherson, which is the only regional center, and that's not a major city, but still, the only regional center which the Russian forces have um, have conquered, well, over there, the locals are protesting constantly. And this is going to happen all over Ukraine. These people are protesting against their homes being taken away from them and the Putin's fascist government taking control. And already, the Rosguardia, the guys whom I told you about in the last episode, who have been captured with um, with enough brutal material like police batons and everything to crack down on protesters. Yeah, I mean, they have already started arresting protesters and treating the peaceful citizens very poorly. 400 people have been arrested in Kherson. It's a wartime law. So, that's bad. What also is bad is that Heavy fighting has returned to Ukraine. The idea that the southern forces would easily cut off the eastern part of Ukraine from the western part, that's been abandoned because they face the same logistical issues that everyone else has had. And, well, they're being struck back against. The NATO weapons and armaments and everything that NATO gives to Ukraine has been put to good use. Today, fighting has been especially brutal. A lot of, a lot of vehicles have been lost, a lot of lives have been deleted and ended because of this war. But the Ukrainians are still hold, holding on. I have a friend. I have a friend who's in Kiev now. I was supposed to go to Kiev. I, I told you that already. Couldn't make it. Maybe I'm alive because of that. I don't know. But uh, Oz, uh, a, a UK UK slash Liberian journalist, he's in Kiev now, and I retweet his tweet every day because he starts his day with a tweet, Hello from Kiev, I'm still alive. And I fully support this, because that, that also gives me hope. Also, what happened today is I had a throat look at the Russian media. Well, what's left of it, that is. 
because YouTube's getting censored and uh, things are getting progressively more harsh. They're they're still pushing their all you know neo-Nazi bullshit that they've been active about. And today I saw how on the Russian Defense Ministry channel Zvezda or the Star, there's a channel specifically a TV channel for the Defense Ministry of Russia. Yes, well, defense in quotes. Google Maps already portrays it as the Ministry of Fascism, by the way. But in there, a veteran came up. Like, a, a dude who's like 59 years old or something. Really, not one of the younger generation, just someone a bit older and wiser. And, and he didn't even say anything pro-Ukrainian over there, no. He was all about this, all about this kind of attitude that at least we should remember the dead of the war. That the dead of this war, and he's a Russian speaking in the Russian Defense Ministry TV, that the dead of this war should be remembered, and that's that's an okay thing to say, I think, because you know he's a man that was was serving his country, no matter what we think about it. I mean, he served his country in two wars, both in Afghanistan during the Soviet era, and then in the first Chechen war. I mean, if you've served your country in two wars then you deserve some respect, right? But turns out, no. As you can't speak about this in Russia freely at all, then the host just started yelling at him that there have been no casualties and and that we're just beating up fascists there. And and then you see a frothing from the mouth, um, frothing from the mouth, TV director, person, media personality, just yelling at someone who's been through two wars. Yeah, man, I am... Um, what I saw in his eyes in response really struck me because maybe this is the key how to get through this because Russia has a very, very militant culture similar to the United States. But um, and that was pure horror. I mean, and, and I'm, I'm a journalist, I'm a peaceful person, but even I respect the people who've served their country, no matter if they're my enemies even. But this level of disrespect and awfulness was pretty bad. And other opposition journalists right now, everyone's super scared because Russian ruble is now like, what, 140 rubles per dollar and 150 rubles per euro or even more. I don't know, because uh, I checked this morning before flying out. The economy is facing really terrible sanctions currently, as you might know, and I support those sanctions. And right now, the Central Bank of Russia has tried to mitigate the situation somewhat, by actually trying to starting to confiscate the resources and the money of your average Russians. Currently, there is an upper limit on how much money you can withdraw from your savings accounts in foreign currencies. It's like, it's like $10,000 at this point. It's going to go lower. But currently, it's $10,000 that you can withdraw or equivalent. And anything over that, you can only take out in rubles or worthless monopoly money. It's about the same thing as of now. But that's only the first step because they've been calculating all of this and there are serious rumors, uh, very serious, but uh, um, I, I, won't, I won't post that as news except that there are extremely well-based rumors with, with sources still that state that um, soon a massive confiscation of uh, private, private people's property, their funds of the Russian bank accounts will follow. Shell also has left Russia and now everyone is just thinking about they're no longer thinking in Russia about if a default will happen. They're now calculating when the default will happen. And the current dates, if the sanctions remain the same, and I believe that they'll just get even stronger, 
is, well, the optimistic scenario is 15th of April. The pessimistic one is the 30th of March. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. So it's like two weeks separate the most optimistic and the most pessimistic scenario when a total collapse of Russian economy and when their default will happen. Just something to take in mind. And a lot of the Russian opposition journalists and a lot of people whom I respect, like Khodorkovsky and, and Michael Kotz and uh, Michael Nike. Yeah, Michael Nike is actually a Russian journalist, which I highly recommend you check out. Yeah, they all keep saying that for Russia to come out in one piece, to actually be um, be a country after all this ends, what they need to do is to just leave Ukraine immediately and pay reparations. A lot of people are even more skeptical about this because the amount of people... I mean, it sounded like a fringe theory when I was saying this two years ago, but currently the amount of people in Russia who are reasonable people who haven't bought into this neo-Nazi propaganda that Russia is putting, pulling out, the amount of people who believe that Russia can stay in one piece, yeah, those people are looked at as weirdos. I mean, seriously... Uh, Russian serious, ana- serious analysts, uh, when talking about Russian economy and how it can go on, currently the prevailing view is that Russia will collapse. If Putin just doesn't get shot or, or nothing instantly changes, then um, we're, we're looking at a Russian collapse scenario where Russia, being a colonial empire, like I said so many times on this show, will just spread out and die. Because Ukrainians are holding. And there are a couple of scenarios and... Um, Currently, well, what looks what looks reasonable right now is that Ukraine seems to be giving ground on the sense that they might sign a paper about never never becoming a NATO member, at least well for never or or at least not becoming a NATO member for the next say twenty years. And they're also ready to find some sort of a compromise in the Donetsk Luhansk areas, and maybe even Crimea in the sense that. No one even recognizes it, but it still remains as is. They're ready to... Ukrainian side is ready to do some compromises. The problem is that um, Putin's government is still pushing on in the, their peace talks for, to their early, um, early stated goals. And those goals are vague and stupid. So no one really knows what can be done. Because Zelensky could reasonably use his about over 90% popularity rating to push through something, he could give some concessions to Russia, some of them. One thing, though, is that I would I would strongly implore everyone on the planet to not go away from sanctions if such a peace treaty where Ukraine has to make concessions is signed. No. I mean, you can't appease Putin. You have to get Putin out. This is no longer a war where where Putin can just be appeased by Ukraine. If he's not stopped, then Kazakhstan and Georgia will come next. I'm certain of this. Because at this point, any document signed by Putin is worth less than toilet paper. Putin is a totally, totally mis... He can't be trusted. He's a guy who actively tries to scam you. I don't believe anything signed by Putin. And I'm, I'm starting to think that a lot of people in Russia are understanding this one too, because I heard a rumor 
and I hadn't posted about this or hadn't mentioned this on the show because it was very unbelievable that maybe their defense minister, Shoigu, which is one of the guys who looked very shocked about this whole declaration of war and the many memes and videos that you've seen, that he might be uh, trying to, let's just say, do something with long-lasting consequences. And currently, I'm thinking that... Um, I'm starting to believe this, yes. Although I start to believe this in the sense that Putin has found out and that, um, well, there are going to be bad situations there. Because currently, my Russian sources report that Putin is probably going to throw throw Mr. Shoigu under the bus. Shoigu is probably going to be blamed for everything for Putin to get his cans clean. And the situation is that bad that Putin is currently, according to the sources that I have, and I have quite a lot, but again, this part of the show is to be taken with a grain of salt, Putin is now seriously considering dropping a limited nuke, a tactical nuke maybe, although there is no such thing as a tactical nuke, to on Ukraine, on the western part of Ukraine, where he hasn't had any forces, to such a degree where the fallout would reach, reach EU countries as an intimidation tactic. And a lot of people are very disconcerned about this because they know what could possibly happen further on. Because at that point, if Putin drops a nuke, then I know myself, I will also be one of the people who will be yelling at the streets for the West to nuke, nuke Moscow back. Maybe not Moscow, maybe not Petersburg, maybe not those civilian centers, but I will be one of those people who will yell if Putin nukes something, then we should nuke him back. Definitely. And that's because of my emotional level. I know that it's a stupid idea from a strategical and tactical perspective. However, I... If, if, if Putin nukes something, I will be one of those people screaming on the streets and I can't do anything about it. At this point, I will. I know. But the hard part is that if he's considering this and the fact that he's trying to throw Shoigu under the bus, yeah, it's all weird. And it's so bad also that even the chief Kremlin propagandists are, um, are thinking about how to get out of the situation just before Solovyov's, Vladimir Solovyov's channel, which is one of the control, kind of more central propagandist channel, was closed. He even posted a video where he even admitted that he has no idea why Russia is there. So, yeah, harsh fighting right now. I think I'll wake up tomorrow and the situation will be changed completely. But it's all just very strange. Right now, what I can think about is I'm going to have to go and work with the embassies to get... Get you, my dear Russian listeners and Ukrainian listeners out of your countries. You know who I'm speaking to. Guys, I'll do my best. Anyways, this is extremely tired, Kristaps. Do svidanya, tavarishi. Happiness is mandatory. And if you can, please support our show by becoming our patron on patreon.com slash border, or you can just click the donate button on our webpage, DeasternBorder.lv, or support ACAST is an option, I suppose. I don't know. If you want to support the show and you want to keep us going, please, please support us. But if you can't and if you have only, you know, if you don't have any spare change, then spare some for Ukraine. We have a bunch of charities for them. At any rate, until tomorrow. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.